The message you're about listening to is from Pastor E.A. Adeboe, the General Overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. The beginning of all beginnings, the ending of all endings. The one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who cannot be resisted. We worship you. We thank you for everything you have done for us in the past. We thank you for what you are doing now. We thank you for what we will do tomorrow. We thank you for the assurance that with Christ in us, our hope can only be hope of glory. Father, accept our worship in Jesus' name. As we, your children, gather together again to study at your feet, Father, please send your word to us. Let the word bring us healing, bring us deliverance, bring us peace. Just let it be well with all your children. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Well, let someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shake hands with one or two people near you and say, God bless you mightily today. And then we be pleased, be seated. As we continue our series on For Whom the Heavens Open. And our text for quite a while now has been Joshua chapter 5 from verse 13 to 15. Joshua 5 from verse 13 to 15. And we'll begin to really look into this text from now on. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I might now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What seeth my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. We have learned in the past, for the sake of those of you who are joining us uh, on this series today, that when the heavens open, uh, divine visitation can be expected. We have learned that an angel could come down to pay a visit, bringing, at times, good news. 
But we say at times God himself might come and that for God to come because he's seated in the heavens doing whatever pleases him. He has to stand up from his throne which will cause his enemies to be scattered. Then he will zoom down to the earth and take the shape of a man and then begin to move towards his desired uh, destination. And that as he's going around, moving toward that desired uh, destination, uh, it will be distributing miracles along the way. Then we said that when he finally arrives at the destination, there will be an earthquake, uh, which will lead to some miracles there too. And that if he now chooses not just to arrive, but to step in into that house or that particular place, then failure will say bye-bye to whoever is in that place. Fruitless efforts will end. And then we said if he chooses not just to enter in, but to abide, then uh, he could see to it that it doesn't matter how many times the enemy may want to launch an attack against that family because he's residing there. He will see to it that the joy of that particular people will remain permanent. And now here we see a very interesting situation. Joshua was by Jericho. And as you probably know, Jericho was surrounded by a very mighty wall. And Joshua, as the leader of the children of Israel on their way to the promised land, was uh, around the Jericho wall trying to think of a strategy to take the city of Jericho because they just have to take the city of Jericho if they are going to continue on their journey. And the wall was extremely big. And then while he was there surveying the wall of Jericho, suddenly the heavens opened. And Joshua saw a man. And the man definitely wasn't like an ordinary man. He was there with a sword in his hand, and the sword was drawn. was a man who looks as if he was ready for a fight. So Joshua went to him and said, Sir, who are you? And why are you here? Are you here to help us? Or are you here as an observer? Or are you here to fight us? Well, the man answered and said, 
Well, I'm not quite an observer. And I'm not really here to tell you whether I am here to fight for you or to fight against you. I am here to let you know I've come to take over the fight. I have come for your information, not as an ordinary angel, but as a commander in the army of the Lord. And the Bible said, Joshua fell on his face and said, okay, if you are here to take over the fight, what are your instructions, sir? And the angel said to him, well, let us settle the issue of who is in charge before we go any step further. Could you, sir, remove your shoes? <laughs> so that you know who will be giving instructions from this moment onward. An extremely interesting story. Well, let, let's begin by looking at the answer of this angel to Joshua, I am a commander in the army of the Lord. That tells us one thing straight away. Angels are in categories. We won't want to go too deep into the theology of angels. But it will be very, very instructive to know that angels are in categories. If only for you to be able to appreciate that there is order in heaven. When you go through the scriptures, you come across angels with different names, different titles. The first one we came across, you will find in Genesis chapter 3, from verse 22 to 24. Genesis 3, 22 to 24. When God was driving Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, to make sure they will stay out. He sent an angel called a cherubim with a sword of fire. So we, we can see that cherubims are angels who are fighters. They fight. We don't want to mess with them. They are sword could be of fire. Then as we go further in the scriptures, we come across the angels called seraphims. In Isaiah chapter 6 from verse 1 to 7. Isaiah chapter 6 from verse 1 to 7. They cover the throne of God. 
Because Isaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up, with his train filling the temple. And then I saw seraphims. They had uh, six wings, which uh, they needed only two to fly. But they had to cover their faces, cover their feet, because they're very close to the glory of God. And the glory of God, if you get too close to it, can just wipe you out. But these angels, these uh, seraphims, are in a very, very special position. They cover the throne of God. And uh, when uh, Isaiah cried, saying, Oh, woe is me, I'm undone. Because all of a sudden I've seen myself to be a man of unclean lips, abiding among people of unclean lips. It's one of the seraphims that God sent to take a coal of fire from the altar of God and bring it to Isaiah, touch his lips with it, and decree that his sins are being removed. Seraphims, wonderful angels. But then, as we study the scriptures more and more, we discover that there was once upon a time a cherubim, or a cherub rather, because that's the single for cherubim. A cherub that was anointed specially to cover the throne of God. His name is Satan. It was so beautiful. So extremely magnificent. And he was given the special assignment of covering the throne. And there to conduct the mass choir of God. Uh, but pride came and he fell. Uh, you read about that in Ezekiel 28 from verse 12 to 15. But then as you proceed further, you begin to come across other uh, angels. When we read Luke chapter 1 verse 19, Luke 1 verse 19, we come across an angel called Gabriel. And when he was introducing himself to Zechariah, he said, I stand before God himself. I'm not just an ordinary angel. I am so close or so high in rank, I can stand before the very presence of God himself. Which incidentally uh, could imply not all angels can come into the very presence of God himself. And which, according to uh, the word of God, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, 
brings us a great warning to be careful how we deal with children. Because to all these little ones are assigned angels of such a high rank that they can stand before the presence of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, be careful that you don't make any of these children to stumble because their angels will report you. Be careful how you live before your children because they are watching you. Be careful that you don't say you are a Christian and you are behaving contrary to what you are preaching because they want to copy you. And if in the process of copying you, they end up missing heaven, their angels will report you to the Almighty God. And then there is another angel that is called Michael. And uh, you can read about this in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. He was introduced to us as a chief among angels. Not even an ordinary chief, a chief prince. As a serious combination of titles. A chief among the princes of angels. Um, I'm just giving you an introduction into the theology of angels. But you need to know that angels are very strong. I mean, in the case of Michael, for example, when uh, Satan was trying to disturb a messenger, when a principality was trying to disturb another angel from uh, delivering a message to Daniel, it was Michael that came and handled the situation. The Bible tells us that angels excel in strength. They are very strong. Psalm 103 verse 20. Psalm 103 verse 20 tells us that the angels of God excel in strength. As a matter of fact, 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 35. 2 Kings 19 verse 35 tells us that one of these angels can kill a hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers in one night. That is power. A hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers versus one angel. Now, so when you consider that God has these angels by the billions, then you will understand why 
If you are on the side of God, you are secure. He has more than enough angels to take care of all your enemies. All of them. If all the people of the world were to gang up against you and the almighty God decides to help you, he has enough angels to make sure that they sleep and they never wake up. That's God. That's God because not only is he called the almighty, he's also called the Lord of hosts. That means he's the commander-in-chief of all these angels, and they all obey him. Those who rebel against him have been chased out of heaven. And by the special grace of God, if you're a true child of God, even the leader of all those chased out of heaven is under your feet. Now, it is very essential that you know that these angels, as powerful as they are, as strong as they are, are not to be worshipped. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, Revelation 19, verse 10, when an angel has brought some information to John the Beloved, and John the Beloved felt that maybe, ah, this person, let me worship him. He said, no, don't do it. <laughs> I am nothing but your servant. You don't know who you are if you're a child of God. You don't know what you have. You have tremendous powers because you have angels at your disposal. Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 13 to 14, Hebrews 1 from verse 13 to 14, made it clear, angels are to serve you if you are a child of God, if you are saved. They are nothing but ministering spirits. You know what that means? They are your servants. Waiting for your commands. The almighty God loves you so much that he says he will give another to his angels to carry you in their hands so that you will never dash your foot against a stone. God cares for you so much that he does not want you when you are walking to accidentally knock your foot against a stone. I've said it before. If I'm going on a walk, which I do regularly at night, and all of a sudden, I strike my foot against a stone. I stop. And I ask God, what do you want to tell me, Lord? What am I doing wrong? 
where are the angels who are supposed to see to it that I don't knock my foot against a stone? <laughs> I know it may sound childish, but almost invariably, I get an answer. And I've seen situations before when I stop like that and then I look and I see a snake passing by. The Almighty God knows I will stop if I side my foot against a stone. And I've been so busy praying. I wasn't even looking on the ground. I'm so far gone as, as, as if to say, as some people would say, in the spirit. Yeah, you are in the spirit. But <laughs> there is a snake crossing the road. And occasionally it could be a very poisonous one. And you need to stop and let that fellow pass before you continue your journey. My prayer is that you will get so close to God Amen. that his angels will be constantly by your side. Now, I will just say one more thing because I didn't want to talk too much about angels, but we've taken quite a while. Joshua has another question. Why are you here? So to the commander, the commander, are you for us or are you against us? Because I can see you with your sword drawn. This simple question highlights the possible divine response to you when you are involved in warfare. I won't be able to discuss the details this week, but we'll discuss the details next week by the grace of God. There are four possibilities of God responding to you when you are fighting a battle. It could be against you. My prayer is that it will never be. It can be neutral, just watching to see how far you can do this thing on your own. It could be with you. You have to fight, but you will be supporting. And finally, he could fight for you. In the case here, in the question that Joshua asked the angel, are you for us or are you against us? We find a question you need to ask yourself today, this Sunday. You've been fighting a battle for quite a while now. Are you winning? 
or are you losing? You need to find out, God, are you fighting for me or are you fighting against me? It's my prayer that God will answer you because in the answer, will show you whether you need to put certain things right in your life. Because if he's fighting against you, there must be a reason. And if he's fighting against you, you are bound to lose. I pray that before this day is out, one way or the other, the Lord will be fighting for you. Which brings me to that big, big invitation again. If you're not here born again, <laughs> Jesus Christ said, if you are not for me, you're against me. There's no neutral ground. You can't say God is minding his own business and I'm minding my own. No, it doesn't work that way. It's either you are for him or you're against him. And if we're against him, you're in serious trouble. So if you would love to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, I beg you, go to the altar if you are in a church setting. Or indicate either by standing or raising your hand if you are at home to show God, ah, I don't want to fight against you. I want you to take over my fight. I surrender my life to you. Save my soul. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. Pray that prayer. And I will pray with you now. You will save your soul. And things will begin to change. And so, Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for your word. Thank you, because I know there is power enough in your word to settle the problems of all your children. As for those who have decided to surrender their life to you now, Father, please receive them. Save their souls. Let your blood wash away their sins. Receive them into the family of God. And Lord God Almighty, from now on, take over their fights. In Jesus' mighty name. We have prayed. Amen. Please join us on this same station at this time for another wonderful experience as Pastor E.A. Adeboye exposes the deep mysteries in the Word of God.